So high tide is um, named that way for like a high tide lifts all boats. Yep. Right. And so if we make it, it's our duty to help others make it too. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and we all benefit from that when we help other people. So for myself, my life completely changed through education. And it, I feel that just because now I could pay for personal development courses, I get to have a better life. I don't think that's fair. And so I'm doing something about that. And I'm asking friends to donate their programs. We are creating programs and wherever we can, we give it away to the poorest communities. Providing inspiration and community for women in business of Middle Tennessee. This is Powered by Her with Tiffany and Thanks for tuning in to Powered by Her. Welcome back. I am Tiffany Anton and I have Hazel Ortega in. It's, I, that's the best. You say it because it sounds much prettier when you say your name. Go ahead. Hazel Ortega. There you go. I mean, just listen. Uh, you are an author of From Bounce Checks to Private Jets. You are the founder of High Tide Global. You're a member of entrepreneur organization. We're going to get into it all. We're going to take a second and thank our partners. Thanksgiving will be here before you know it. And who wants to spend hours in the kitchen preparing every last thing? Honey Baked Ham of Cookville is definitely a girl's best friend during the holiday season. You can get sliced turkey, full baked hams, and all the sides to go with it. Don't forget to add a cheesecake as well, which is a holiday favorite in our household. It's not too early to order for your Thanksgiving today. Call Honey Baked Ham at 931-520-4426. All right, so Hazel, um, tell me about the idea for writing a book. I mean, I feel like that seems for most average people that seems like such a pipe dream of like how would you even go about writing a book so tell me about that journey for you a little bit sure I was presented with the idea of writing the book by my business coach because I had a program for injured workers I'm a vocational return to work counselor that's my business and I'm personally an injured worker myself, and I thought that the statistics for injured workers being successfully uh, trained and returned to work and live the life of their dreams uh, was not happening. It was very low statistic of that, and since I had done that for myself, I created a nonprofit, and I had classes for these injured workers and taught them in a 12-week series how to live the life of their dreams, mm-hmm. right? I call them world-class trainings. Well, and and injured workers, are, I feel like such a small part of your story overall. So um, from bounce checks to private jets, let's kind of dig into that a little bit. Um, your story s- starts a bit of um, some troubles in your past and, and that maybe not what typically you would think of highly successful home environment um, where there's fostering of like chase your dreams and always do you know that was not what you get, grew up with um, you raised younger siblings as well at, right. at times in your life um, so tell me about your childhood or in your early 20s kind of that that point in, points in your life sure I grew up in downtown Los Angeles in one of the poorest neighborhoods and I had all of the problems that you find in poor neighborhoods like 
drug dealers in the corners, prostitution. Gang members. Gangs ruled the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just any gang. During the 80s, we had the world's deadliest gang in Los Angeles as my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even George Bush came on television to say that we had domestic terrorists, and those were my neighbors. Mm -hmm. That was the rival gang for the gang that ruled my street. So it was completely dangerous. We had drive-by shootings almost every day. My best friend was killed when we were just 12 years old. We were at the bus stop, and gangs came and asked us, you know, what gang are you from? We all ran away, and the next day we found out that one of our friends was caught and killed. Mm -hmm. He was stabbed with an ice pick, just 12 years old. And you grew up in a Hispanic family. Yeah, both my parents are immigrants from Mexico, and they met in Los Angeles as teens. Yeah, and do you think that that had an impact on growing up in LA with a Hispanic background, do you think that that felt like it was limiting to what life could look like for you? Oh my gosh, most definitely. It was like, um, we're poor and that's our place in life and education and good relationships and um, the money and the abundance is for the white people. Mm -hmm. It definitely felt like I had a place and a very limited place at that for sure well and and how so in your adult years you are a blonde lighter skinned woman um so people probably until you start (laughs) speaking and rolling your r's and making all you know sexy ortega um (laughs) you know people don't do you feel like people kind of treat you differently because you don't necessarily look hispanic and you kind of have that we're not going to get into all the, the nitty-gritty political details, but you kind of have the, the white privilege a little bit by just looking at you. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I have siblings that um, have different fathers than me, and because of that, they have different skin tones. They look very different, and I'm the one that looks the most... Quote-unquote. Quote-unquote white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I do know that there's a difference, and they got treated very different than the way I get treated. Even... I mean, that when we were children and then now as an adult. Does that make you feel guilt? Do you, do you carry guilt with that at all? Of like, man, this, uh, you know, we're this, we, we grew up in the same back. I mean, some of your siblings you raised yourself, but you kind of grew up with the same mother, parents, similar situations, and they get treated differently. No, no, it hasn't been a detriment to them. Yeah. Um, so I don't Maybe because I'm on the other end of it, you know? Yeah, Uh, I've been in the end where I get a lot of benefits. Yeah, yeah. So I actually have not stood stood in their shoes. Right, yeah. So I don't have an opinion really about that either way. Yeah. Um, But I do believe that anybody um, can feel down regardless of what you look like. So even though I'm blonde and and, and (laughs) light-skinned, I tell my friends, if you cut me open, beans come out, you know? Like, I identify Mexican. Um, I do think that it is, um, like you said, people feel things and we all kind of go through our own struggles and what's real to me is real to me and and what's real to you is real to you and and based on, you know, we have different circumstances, but it's all real to the things we've gone through. So tell me a little bit in your 20s, you went through, um, what, what do you think made you kind of think, I'm going to be more than the girl who grew up in a gang-infested neighborhood in L.A., and I'm going to... I mean, I'm guessing at 10 years old, you weren't 
I'm going to be an author. I'm going to be a speaker. I'm going to speak on stages. I'm going to start a nonprofit that goes into prisons and um, helps, you know, rehabilitate people. I'm guessing at 10 years old, that was probably not part of your hopes and dreams. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because in the fourth grade, I actually won an award for Young Authors of America. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So I did have what I call pushy angels in my life, even though both my parents have been in and out of the prison system. Um, I had an other adults in my life that paid attention to me. And they noticed something in me that I didn't see in myself, that my mom didn't see in me either, that she could, because she's so focused on her problems, that she could not focus on me and my talents. So I had teachers along the way that helped me. Mm -hmm. So my fourth grade teacher had all the classroom write a book. And then she submitted them in a contest and I won. Hmm. And then when I won, I had to go pick up my award and, and there was a big presentation and a reception and then my mom told the teacher what a problem you created for me because I have five other kids at home then I don't have a babysitter and I don't have money for gas mm. you know what gives you the right to submit this book my mom was very upset with her oh my goodness. then the teacher started to tell my mom you know, what a great you know accomplishment this was and how this could you know, change things for me. And so my mom allowed the teacher to take me to get my award. So that happened. Um, in the fifth grade, my uh, teacher also recommended me to be student council president. So I started giving speeches. And then I was also in drama. Do you feel like you like that leadership position of being student council president? Were you drawn to that leadership? And you are you the oldest sibling? I'm the second to the oldest. Second to the oldest. But you know, so you kind of had some leadership in your own house for sure that you were doing um were you drawn to that leadership and you wanted to like more of it how can I figure out how to align myself to be a leader or were you kind of uncomfortable because obviously your mom wasn't really fostering you to be doing these great things I think Sagittarians <laughs> naturally <laughs> want to be in the front yeah. and want you know have a lot of attention. Yeah. So people actually came into my life and put me in situations. It wasn't like I was seeking it. I didn't see myself as a leader. Somebody saw that and said, y you know, you're not shy. You come to the front of the room and you mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. You know, people will pay attention to you. Yeah. And so I did that, and then I also got discovered as a model um, in the sixth grade. And I went through a modeling uh, talent agency, which was another thing that I was really excited about. And then my mom said that it was too much for her and she couldn't take me to the sessions. And so I had to wait. She told me, wait until you're 18 years old and then you can do whatever you want. But meanwhile, you cannot do that. And then I was also in orchestra. And during the day I had the classes and I practiced. And, but at night we couldn't go to the, re the recitals because yeah. she couldn't drive us. Did you always feel like you were kind of almost battling the your circumstances? You're doing sure. all this work during the day. You're, you know, you ha you're driven, and all these people outside of your home, which is your the safe place for should be the safe place for children. Um, all these people outside the home feel like they see all this potential in you, and you're getting just this close to the finish line, and then it's no, you can't go do this. You can't perform in the concert. You can't go do this modeling concert. You know, were you, how, how do you think you had the tenacity to keep driving forward and not just go, what's the point? 
I did go, what's the point? Yeah, I did. I stopped saying yes to the people that came into my life and said, you should be in softball. You should try out for cheerleading. You should be you know, applying yourself in your classes more. Yeah. You'd be so great if you did that. I just stopped. Like, what's the point, really? So where clearly you're not, you're not saying no now. So what was the changing point of thinking, okay, I can get out of these circumstances and now I, I have the control to make my life what I want to make it and be the master of miracles. Yeah. It, well, uh, at, as a senior in high school, I got placed to work at the workers' compensation appeals board, which is the courthouse where people litigate their workers' comp injuries. And I was placed with a female judge and the judge asked me, what college am I going to? And I told her I wasn't going to college. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even finishing high school. And she said, what? Okay. That ain't going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> let's she, do this. Yeah. She told me, well, you know what? Um, let's not talk about college, but you should really finish what you started. You should finish high school. Yeah. And um, I was really grateful that someone that I looked up to saw something in me. And I thought, like, okay, maybe I could go back to school and get my high school diploma. And I went back and I talked to my counselor and my counselor spoke to all my teachers and they gave me all this work to make up. And I did and almost all of it, except for one teacher. She didn't let me pass her class, even though I had done all the work. She said, you're not going, you're not going to miss the whole year and think that I'm going to pass you, even though you've done all the work. Yeah, It's not fair to the other students. I would like to sit on that for, I could probably sit on that for the next hour of fairness. And I just have a hard time sometimes with, well, the other students didn't necessarily have the circumstances that you were going through. The the phrase that people will say is life's not fair, but it's like, it's not fair both ways. It's not fair that you were born into the circumstances that, you know, were inhibiting you and holding you back from things. You know, there's different upbringings there's different influences and and let's look at what's going on now instead of what what the past was I could go on and on about that but um so so you graduate you're kind of like okay let's make something of myself no I, I didn't graduate you did not oh because she no, wouldn't she, she wouldn't, wouldn't didn't let me <laughs> so uh, I started to work like most everybody else at a place where um, after this particular job, I started working somewhere else just because my cousin was working there, mm-hmm. not because I was thinking that I was going to have a dream job. And it happened to be a workers' compensation law firm. And I, it was a big conglomerate law firm, and I was placed with a Latino lawyer. And that lawyer, when he interviewed me, he said, you're in college, right? And I was not in college. Yeah. I didn't even have a high school diploma. Yeah. And I started working for him, and he came to me after soon after and asked me what classes I was taking. I told him I was on break. I put it off as oh much gosh. as I could and I had to register in college. Yeah. And he didn't even know I'd have, I did not even have a high school diploma. So I started to go to school at night and on the weekends. And eventually at 30 years old, I got my high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And I kept going to school and gra- I got my AA degree while working for him, I got my bachelor's degree and then my master's degree. And I left him from the, working with him as his office manager by that time. And I- Were you still working as an office manager when you were getting your master's degree? Yes. <laughs> wow. I actually didn't want to leave that job. Yeah. I, it was sad for me. I really thought that that job was as good as it gets for me. And I was mm-hmm. earning $15 an hour. Yeah, which at, at that time was probably pretty good money. Yeah, and depend, I know here in Tennessee, 
it's a different minimum wage yes, here, right, yes, than California. Yes. So California. So it was as good as it gets for me. It was top of my career. Mm-hmm. I already had years of experience, $15 an hour, and I really was in my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I was already getting paid more than anybody in my family had ever been paid. $15 an hour is higher than the highest paid person in my family. So what made you decide to to act well and go get your master's degree and and dream bigger than you know you had a pretty comfortable life things were okay enough um what made you want to have a bigger platform for yourself it wasn't that I had a comfortable life. I was comfortable in my messy life. <laughs> like, well, we all have messy lives. Let's say that. I was very comfortable in that messy life. However, I had this pushy angel at work who kept telling me that I should continue to go to school. I Let's just, this pushy angel, I've never heard anybody use that before, but I love that term um, because I think that if you don't know who your pushy angel is or if you don't have one in your life, you probably should find one. That's right. Because um, I think that that's so important. Um, people find people who just placate them like, oh yeah, go start a business or go, you know, or, you know, whatever. But I think having people who can push you to be the best versions of yourself is just so important in life. Yeah. And right when somebody's telling you to do something that's good for you and you don't want to, it feels like they're being pushy and like you want to be like, get off my back. Yeah. And that's the way he was. However, in retrospect, I see him as an angel. Yeah. So he was my pushy angel. I love it. Right. Yeah. And we're going to start using that term more often. All right. You better (laughs) quote me. (laughs) You heard it here first. You heard it here first. I'm powered by her. We're ready. Um, Find your pushy angel. So so you had this pushy angel that kind of saw that you had more potential. Yeah, for sure. He saw something in me that I couldn't see for myself. And then after um, becoming a psychologist, I started working at a school district. I'm an educational psychologist. And I measure IQ and I find appropriate um, school settings for kids with uh, low IQ and kids that have high IQ. That was my, my full-time job. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I started my first business from the garage of my home. Which was? The Ortega Counseling Center. Wow. Yeah, we're vocational return to work counselors. Yeah. In California. So you were doing this in your garage? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when it wasn't cool to work from home, when yeah. the dog would bark, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're going to know I'm working from home. Yeah. They're going to know I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm busted because yeah. that's what was happening, right? I couldn't afford an office, so I converted my garage yeah and i got everything donated i had a a a friend do the drywall give me carpet in the garage somebody else gave us two desks and two chairs somebody gave us two computers and even our letterhead was donated everything we didn't have i had a business partner yeah we didn't have any money yeah yeah and so i actually started the business because when you become a psychologist they have you work one year non-paid and so i had to do something and I, i was already in workers' compensation for 17 years. So I knew a lot of the attorneys in the industry. When I opened the business, I told them, and then they started supporting the business. And then my business partner would do the work. So I'd bring in the business, and the business partner would do it. Yeah. And that worked out really nicely, and then the business started getting really busy. Mm -hmm. And I left my full-time school psychologist job to help out in the business that was booming. And I, and I actually chose school psychology because I was raising three kids and I wanted to have the same schedule as the kids. 
you know, eight to three o'clock and then you're done. And then vacations at the same time that they are. That was like my dream come true. Like the least I could do is become that mom that's there for her kids. What I actually, when I created the vision for myself to be an ideal mom, believe it or not, even though you know my story, I actually wanted to be like my mom. I wanted to be the mom that was home. Yeah. You know, because my mom... Uh, her story, you know, my mom went to prison and she ended up killing her boyfriend. But it it affected all of us in different ways. But that happened when I was 22. So I actually had my mom all my life, and I and I think that's uh, one of the the strongest anchors in my life that she was there. She's not here now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I, I, I know. I feel like you tell this story. You'd probably talk about this a lot. And, a lot. Um, but that's because okay. the way you're asking it, I'm like, oh, we're, we're allowed to get ha- shed some tears on Powered by Her. <laughs> that's um, definitely part of wh- what we can do sometimes. And so um, I appreciate you being so vulnerable with that. And I think sometimes it's easy to look at situations and say, well, like you said, your mom, you know, you were on food stamps and you had the, well, she must have been a terrible mom. And who would want to look up to that? But there are, I think it's knowing that there's more to a person. Again, and kind of this, the theme that we were talking about with Shelly, there's more to a person than just little tidbits that you can put, pick out. And and having that love and support of, of having somebody that was around, I'm sure, impacted you greatly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I credit my mom and my father for a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. for my humor, good looks, and, you know, well, I, yeah. street smarts, <laughs> being able to be resilient. Yeah. I think sometimes um, it's easy as an adult to go, oh, well, this bad thing about myself is because of my parents. But then you kind of forget sometimes that there are so many great, I mean, I'm, I am that hustler that you, you and Shelly have both talked about of, um, and I, and sometimes maybe that can be a little too much of my hustler, but I got that from my dad and my dad's really like, and he's very positive and he's always going to look at the bright side of things. And so as much as there's times where it's like, oh, you know, whatnot, but, um, I, re- I love crediting the good things too on, on my parents. Uh, you know what? I used to, um, use my parents' stories as an excuse why I'm not where I could be. Yeah. And so what I call that in the book are sob stories, right? Like, oh, I'm not um, financially doing well because I never even saw my mom or dad work a day in their lives. I never saw them go to the bank, Yeah. right? So that's the story I tell myself of why I can't be financially successful. Then, um, hey, I, I, don't, I didn't go to college because none of my parents went to college. My parents have eighth grade education. So um, that's not what's expected of me my parents never told me to go to college I could and I I could and and I did use that story for many years until I wanted more for myself and then I stopped I, I had to stop with these sob stories I had to stop with the excuses yeah so anytime you're saying that you want to do something but anything after that is a sob story yeah because you can do anything yeah honestly my story is is proof of that well, and I think finding those pushy angels that were, are going to support you, I do think is, mm-hmm. is helpful 
nobody really gets to where they're at on their own Mm-mm. and finding the support system and the network that's going to help you kind of progress to where you need to be so we talked a little bit last week about you and Shelly starting the winner circle what made you you know clearly she has a passion for the incarcerated community um what what makes you have a passion for that community what what makes you want to get involved was it her that came to you and said hey let's let's start this i have this crazy idea let's do this or were you interested yourself uh i had already had the nonprofit high tide Mm -hmm. and then god brought us together so uh, as he often does when the right situations are supposed to happen (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so because I'm in the space of social impact, I um, get a lot of opportunities presented to me. And one of them was creating a program for the juveniles in California. And, you know, you say yes first and then you figure it out, (laughs) right? And so they asked me, the the director of the Los Angeles Probation Department, like, can you create a program Mm -hmm. for this population uh, in California we're getting rid of the juvenile halls can you create a program for them like a diversion program and I said yes and then I called Shelly and I said do you think you could create a program like that and then she said absolutely I already have something like that and so then uh, we partnered up on that do you think that um, as a hustler as a driven person and people your whole life have recognized this in you they saw that you had this potential. Um, do you think that opportunities just come to you sometimes, or do you think you create them and you make them by who you are? I, I think I'm attracted to opportunities, for sure, but I do create what I want from life. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when I, what I write in the book is, I change my life by creating my life, by saying what I want to happen. 100%. Like, I'm just a huge advocate of creating the life that you want to live. And so if your life, you want to not have the weight and the anxiety and the stress of having your own business, or and you want to work from nine to five and go home and, and unplug and to create that life. And if you want a flexible schedule and you want to be an international speaker and I follow you on social media and I feel like you're always jet setting all over the world. Um, I'm super jealous sometimes. <laughs> I want to just jump into your suitcase, but you've created this life that you can go. I mean, there, and there are some people who never want to leave the state they live in. Um, never want to, in, in rural Tennessee, there are people who don't want to cross the county lines. Um, and that's okay for them. But I just think creating the life that you that really fills you up um, is really going to take you f- further and have a bigger impact on the world. Yeah, for sure. And you have to have a vision of that so mm-hmm. that you can have it. And so yeah, I create in five-year increments. Yeah. And then I even know what I'm going to look like when I'm 95 years old. I love it. <laughs> Physically what you're going to look like or what your life's going to look like? When you're All of it. <laughs> Physically, I know I'm going to look good. Right, and I always create from best case scenario. Heck yeah, girl! If, and if I'm inventing that, then I'm gonna invent. Right, right. Who wants to invent that they're old and gray and exactly. decrepit at 95? I love it. Yeah, I think that um, I'm a huge advocate that mindset matters too, and just that shift of like, you know, thinking positively of like, what can I do? How can I impact? And you know, for me, sometimes I feel like opportunities come to me 
because of just that positive upbeat at you know kind of mindset of I I can impact things and I can do things and so similar to them coming to you and saying hey can you create this program you created this persona of who you are and what you can do and so people know to come to you now yeah yes and I also put it out there in the universe so I created a vision a year and a half ago that I was ending mass incarceration Mm. right and so you asked me like you know, why did I want this? Um, well, both my parents were in prison. And every time my dad came out of prison, he didn't have the skill set. to. So he kept going back in and out of prison. And then my mom got out of prison. She was deported to Mexico, did not even know how to pay her bills. She didn't know how to manage. My mom was managing $600 a month, and she could not keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. She was given enough money to pay all her bills, and she could not keep the lights on Mm -hmm. and so um, sooner than later she stopped paying for her medications and using that money to buy clothes mismanage and she wasn't taking her medicine and she ended up medicine that she really needed and she ended up having a heart attack and dying okay so these programs I'm really proud to partner up with Shelly because the programs are world-class training programs that you know, people outside <laughs> are, are lucky the, to have some of the forgiveness train. Like I'm, I, I kind of want to. Yeah, everybody should have that. Your program exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're not giving cheap programs to yeah. people. They're getting the Cadillac of opportunity, not the yeah. basic floor of opportunity. Well, and I think part of that is that you, you and Shelly both understand how much harder that people who are incarcerated have to work to get to where I've got I've gotten in life and so giving them extra tools that maybe I you know I'm I may be battling forgiveness issues in my own life but I'm not battling uh, you know an incarceration record that I have to worry about and so giving setting people up for success that need that extra help or that extra leg up it's not a bad thing. And and like Shelly said last week, um, you're not lowering the the bar, you're lowering the barrier. And I just, I, I love that for people in life and just thinking about the people that you interact with, whether you're hi- this is about hiring employees or not, or just the people you interact with on the day-to-day basis of like thinking, you know, what what are the 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 support and the tools that they may need to get to where where you are where they want to be and and create the life they want to live kind of what we were just saying mm-hmm. tell me about before we we wrap up tell me about high tide global a little bit so that was a organization you started to do what was the purpose the purpose is to bring education again state-of-the-art education to the masses that can't afford it and People started giving me money, started giving me their programs, and then asked me for a tax write-off. <laughs> so I knew I had to start a nonprofit. Yeah. So High Tide is um, named that way for like a high tide lifts all boats. Yep. Right. And so if we make it, it's our duty to help others make it too. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and, and we all benefit from that when we help other people. So for myself, my life completely changed through education. And it, I feel that just because now I could pay for personal development courses, I get to have a better life. I don't think that's fair. And so I'm doing something about that. 
and I'm asking friends to donate their programs. We are creating programs, and wherever we can, we give it away to the poorest communities around the world. So we're in Africa, Colombia, Mexico, Puerto Rico, even Los Angeles. We've given the programs away. And we've built a hospital in Uganda, and then also gave them the the program is a self-esteem and mindset program for children and they get like state-of-the-art programming like the way any you know um, most successful entrepreneur would want their own children to have Mm -hmm. and they the the kids in the poorest neighborhoods are having this education and so and because of that i just got an award uh, a global social impact award through my entrepreneur organization Yes, yes I love to, um, sometimes as women, I love, you said, I just got an award, your face lit up, and sometimes um, women can feel like they want to make themselves smaller, and they feel like, I shouldn't say that, but I think that we need to remember that we're all kind of... um, mentors or we're all examples for other people and so sharing your story is not a brag it's an inspiration for other people and I think um, sometimes people forget that and I, I appreciate you being so open and vulnerable and telling us kind of all the things that you're doing and and who you are um, you can get your book from bounce checks to private jets on Amazon that's where I ordered mine from um, so you can order it on Amazon how can people find you if they want to connect more with you? Yeah, sure, definitely. I invite your listeners to follow me on Instagram, Hazel Ortega Official. And if you have any questions, you can reach out. I, I check my own messages. <laughs> I love it. And you can get on our mailing list and stay connected to the messaging that's coming out. Stay on top of the news of Winter Circle and our big launch that we're going to have. And yeah, be, continue get being inspired. I think that's that's part of the thing of just being, kind of following the people who are inspirational, um, can really rub off. And and like you said, just being inspired by what you're doing and and figuring out what other people what their niche is to make them happy and create the life they want. No, people don't need to go and start you know a, a intercontinent nonprofit, but just figuring out how to make an impact in their own community is really important. And, and I think I, I think part of the thing that has drawn me to you is just that you're not looking at just making your life better. You're looking at making others' lives better. And that's so important. And I love that. Oh, thank you. I, I always say it ain't no fun if your friends can't have none. You That's know? right. I want everybody to fly in private jets. I want everybody to live the life of their dreams and live happy, healthy lives. Yeah. yeah I think that happy, uh, healthy adults make lives better for other people, and that's how we lift the tide of humanity. People are going to be really annoyed with me saying this because I think I keep saying this, but a message at church recently was that people who live in their purpose are the most happiest people. If you're just out there searching searching for happiness, you're never going to be happy. But if you're living in your purpose, you really it, it just comes to you. And I think that that's so important for our listeners and just people in general is just finding figuring out what that purpose means and and living in that purpose so yeah exactly thank you so much for joining me hazel if you want to know more about powered by herd head over to poweredbyherd.com join the community support the cause and we'll see you next week